We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to a new episode of the podcast Matcha Diaries with your co-hosts Cara and Leo and today we have a very interesting and different episode for you which is something that we've been really excited about and have kind of been researching for a while. Um, so if you're if you've been listening to our podcast for a while I feel like you're gonna be excited about this and please let us know what you think and if yeah. you are new to this podcast then welcome honestly like this was kind of born out of like at the beginning of the year I feel like we had a bit of a crisis and we were like we need to or I I know that I definitely did I was like I need to do something different like I don't want to keep talking about the same topics over and over again and I want to use the podcast to like learn about something Mm -hmm. new and challenge ourselves to research different topics we definitely set ourselves a challenge because we were running out of well not running out but I think We've been doing the podcast for three years and we were like, okay, what can we do that's a bit different, pushes us out of our comfort zone a little bit, but also we can leave the episode being like, oh, we've actually learned something. Yeah. Um, so do we want to introduce what we're talking about in this episode? Yes. Although you're probably going to have gleaned this from the title of the episode, but... Hopefully the title <laughs> tells you what it's about. So yeah, we are going to talk about female rage today, which I feel like is like a, a topic that we've heard quite a bit like it's always like it comes up here or there on tiktok in like the media etc i think it's becoming more of a popular theme nowadays it's like a trend (laughs) trended term exactly i feel like even like the trend of the mob wife kind of leads into that as well like the i don't know oh yeah we're we're getting rid of the clean girl aesthetic exactly introducing the mob wife exactly (laughs) permission for women to be angry and to kind of express that but we basically wanted to kind of research a bit more into the origins of it, what it means and how it's kind of portrayed in creative industries, like the media, literature, films, mm-hmm. and specifically also look at it in via the lens of different popular artists. So we're mentioning like Taylor Swift, Elena AKA Ferrante. Taylor Swift. <laughs> And some kind of other examples. So honestly, going into this, like, what what did you think, like, female rage was? Or, like, what did you know about the topic? I mean, I, I feel like it it speaks for itself a little bit mm-hmm. in terms of it's just the notion of finally being able to express yourself. And, like, it, for me, when I think of, like, female rage, rage is, like, built up anger. Mm. So it's, like, I think in its term, you can tell that it's, like, you when someone reaches to the boiling point and they're like you know what I'm not gonna hold this in anymore I'm ready to explode as they should <laughs> mm. um but it's a lot more rooted in like the feminist movement which I didn't obviously like put two and two together but yeah I think it's just like women being angry and like being allowed to be angry and not being judged for it what about you did you think something else no I feel like I also kind of saw it similarly to be honest I I listened to a podcast episode which was like a I think it was like a New York Times article about female rage that was like my first introduction to the topic and I found that really interesting because mm-hmm. it was talking about how a lot of women are kind of taught that they're like primary expression that is like societally deemed acceptable is crying and that often for women mm-hmm. the default will be crying instead of getting angry and that's definitely the case for me like I'm very rarely angry Sometimes I am, but I, you know, it it takes a lot for me to actually get angry, angry. Now I wish I said my horror Airbnb story. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe one for another episode. But I'm I'm the same. I'm, I'll like quickly basically gloss over it. But I think uh, when I'm angry, I think I sound very like 
oh this is so badass and I'm like properly expressing how I feel but then I have an example where I have that recorded mm. um and listening back I just go really high-pitched and like you can hear the anxiety in my voice <laughs> and like I was basically getting mad at someone and my legs were shaking from like the adrenaline so like I bet I looked so funny doing it but in my head I was like I'm being a badass I'm like standing up for what's right that's cool but I was though. like you are horrible how dare you do this and it's like how can anyone take me seriously when I go like that oh yeah I feel like our story time episode is gonna have been released before this so go listen to that yeah because it's okay, actually yeah, wild go listen to that. <laughs> yeah and I, I feel like I don't know why I don't get very angry like I don't know if it's actually you know kind of been socialized in me or if it's just something that I've kind of been like it's a nature of my character I honestly don't know although reading about this and researching into it makes me think that probably it is partly due to like socialization as well and well like subconsciously Mm. we are taught how to express ourselves but then I also I think that's the thing like we do get angry it's just Mm. how it's the expression of it that's very different yeah and I find a lot easier to get angry about things that don't like about general issues versus things that happened to me personally, I think. Interesting. So, anyways, let's go into, like, the <laughs> definition of things. That's what we're going to start with. Because that's where we started yeah. with our research as well. Like, okay, what, like, besides what, what we think is. it is from, like, TikTok and whatever, what is it, what is it actually defined as? Yes. Do you want me to say it? Yeah, go on. Okay, so... Uh, We found a definition here that says female rage can be understood as the intense and often suppressed anger experienced by women in response to various forms of of oppression, discrimination and injustice rooted in patriarchal societal structures. It encompasses a wide range of emotions from frustration and indignation to fury and resentment, um, which all arises from the systemic marginalization and silencing and devaluation of women's voices bodies and agency it also can be described as an ancestral and inherited response which can be passed down generationally um which i find really interesting because i definitely think when you're being brought up as a woman you're also educated about how long it took for women to get to the point that Mm -hmm. they are now so inherently when you realize how hard your parents your parents had to fight to get it to this point you're obviously gonna have like rooted almost like anger (laughs) even though it probably isn't a direct experience of what you've had but to know that like it took so long and and this can be applied with a a lot of things as well I think um you know what's so interesting though I've had several debates with men mostly that always bring up the fact that like you know but isn't it gone now like isn't sexism gone now and don't women have it so much better than they used to again this this can also be applied to like other arguments of like other issues that are going on at this point which are like based off discrimination you know but it's always like oh but it's Mm -hmm. so much better now and it's like (laughs) just because we've made some progress doesn't mean you can't still like continue fighting for something and that there aren't still issues and that shouldn't be an argument yeah against it you know it's so it's so so interesting you know what I do find fascinating as well maybe that's just like the term female rage that this is like the response to the oppression patriarchy etc because there's a part of me that also listens to this this definition is like okay why can't females just be angry for the pure purpose of being angry versus like why does it have to have this long lineage there has to be a reason yeah of like oh we've been oppressed for so long this is our response to it versus like I feel like men have the capacity or like allowed to be angry just to be angry and there's a, it's not being deeped as much as this is being deeped. <laughs> That's true. Almost like in itself, it's... <laughs> you need yeah, some like justification like, oh, for this it. This is another thing that you're like, yeah, you have to justify when there shouldn't need to be a justification for it. Yeah, so I'm feeling conflicted um, even. But maybe it's just that term, like female rage versus like, I don't know, female anger. I don't I think, know. This is what I think. I think female rage more encompasses to standing up to the use of like to to go against silencing to go against yeah you know not having control over our body not having agency so that's when I apply female rage and I think that's when it's more more related to like a systemic Mm -hmm. issue whereas then when you're being judged just for 
expressing something, then that's, I mean, it's still rooted in, like, the way society views women versus men. But then that's more, it's more of, like, a current societal issue rather than than, than one that's, like, tied into, like, a historical movement. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's so fascinating, though, because all of, like, the examples that we also go through of, like, examples in, you know, media, um, like, films, etc., are like individual often they're individual instances of anger being expressed and it's not yeah explicit that this is the root of but again we'll get into it like why it's a fascinating like why it's a theme nowadays and has been like uh, to be fair for for a while now um but yeah so Mm -hmm. continuing in the definition it's not just about the individual instances of anger, as what this definition says but rather reflects a collective and systemic response to gendered inequality and injustice it's shaped by historical and cultural contexts, as well as personal experiences of discrimination and trauma. Mm-hmm. And it also says that it can manifest in different ways. So the first one obviously being like outward expressions of anger, like activism, protests, but that it also can like go inward, which that I found quite interesting. Um, via yeah, like we self-doubt, surprised. guilt, depression. Um, and it's, there's kind of this thesis that again, I hadn't really heard of at all. Um, and I, I would love to know, like, your guys' thoughts on this. A lot of things, like, we've researched and we're kind of like, do we agree? I don't know. Um, so that there's this thesis that female self-destruction is actually anger that doesn't know how to express itself as such. So it's kind of warped mm. and then forced back inwards, which can materialize itself as eating disorders, like, self-harm, addictions. It says devastation, but I guess it could just be, you know, depression in general, like mental yeah. states of, you know, I don't know, devastation. It's just, I haven't <laughs> ever heard someone explain their, their mental inner state like that. But anyways, I found that interesting because like, obviously, yeah, we, same. we've both experienced eating disorders and I, I don't know if that for me was like a an anger that just didn't know how to express itself i don't know i would yeah see this is the thing where because i'm thinking back to my experience i wouldn't say it's an anger but i would but it's definitely rooted in the way we were forced to see like the ideal body type and that probably it's like it we were influenced not only by women but also by men because like to, to create that ideation that we have to look a certain way yeah and then and then being like well this is kind of what I have to do to be, like, included in society. So, mm-hmm. okay, fine. I guess this is what I'm going to have to, <laughs> like, get into. But I I guess it maybe is, like, a different kind of anger. It's more like a controlled... I, I, I don't know if it's anger. I, I would say it's more like a controlled response to trying to be included. To fit into in the society. society. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts. Um, what I did find interesting because I definitely have felt this is that for a lot of women like expressing anger itself does like it poses a risk of of attracting actual violence so it's kind of said that like many of us as women have kind of like very well practiced expressions of like just being passive when being harassed because like shouting back or like you know kind of making any expressions that would invite a response that could invite the Mm -hmm. possibility of physical escalation and it's difficult to like feel safe expressing angers Uh, angers anger and I definitely have felt that like if if anyone has like you know shout at me at the street or like in the club like I am gonna not respond in an angry way I'm gonna just avoid the situation because honestly just like ignore and walk away yeah because it's just honestly like it feels safer that way but isn't that so disheartening? Like, you yeah. should be able to feel like you can stand up for yourself without risking your life. Yeah. And I think that's what the issue is. It's like, we feel like we can't stand up for what we think is right without possibly harming yeah. ourselves. Which is crazy. Because that does make me really angry, just like the the injustice of, like, that women always have to feel unsafe. And this, I mean, it's obviously something that is, like, often a very common discourse nowadays of the fact that, like, how many women experience you know, some type of assault, sexual assault in their lifetime. I think it's, like, a staggering number of, like... Yeah, sexual harassment or assault. I think it's, like, over 90% of women. And that's obviously only people that have, like, reported to experience it. And that, like, all of 
like I think every single woman has experienced the fear of it to some degree and that like men just obviously men are also like at risk of and again everything we say I feel like we have to preface it because I've had conversations with men who then are like oh but what about men all of this is not to say that men don't have their own struggles and aren't at risk of other things I was literally talking to Ed about this yesterday because we went to we went to Reading last night for dinner um and there was like a murder literally on Valentine's oh Day my God. in Reading. But it was like a man inflicting violence on another man. Mm-hmm. But, we, but I was just talking about, we were walking to the restaurant that we were going to. And I was like, if I was alone right now, I would be constantly like anxious or like vigilant, trying to make mm-hmm. sure that I'm aware of my surroundings. You know, if there's like a group of men that are walking by, mm-hmm. I'm obviously going to try like not. I'm going to find the women and try walk close, you know, like try do what I can to be in a safer position. And I was talking to Ed about this and he was like, he was like, to be honest, sometimes if I'm walking alone and it's quite late mm-hmm. at night and there's like a group of guys, he gets quite scared too. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting for him, for me to like hear that side yeah. as well. Because sometimes you don't, you don't really question. I always think this, I'm like, oh, I'd so lucky he can go out yeah. late and not have to worry about these things. But he says he does feel like... Because you never know, and also most of the London, most, especially a lot of a lot of crimes as well can be like a bunch of guys beating up another guy as well, you know. So, um, but yeah, that's definitely something we want to caveat in this episode. Is like when we're talking about these female rage and of the female experience, that's all we're talking about, and we're not devaluing or deacknowledging other the other experiences. You know, I hate that though yes. that we have to, but I know that we have to. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. It's like, I feel like in discussions of one injustice, you always almost have to preface that you're not devaluing other people's experiences. And some of the most it's like frustrating that... conversations I've had about... It's like it's like when people say like, oh, Black Lives Matter, and then people are like, oh, but all yeah. lives matter. And it's like, well, obviously all lives fucking matter. But right now we have to stand up for like the people that are actually experiencing inequality yeah like ugh, same thing as like the straight so parade and stuff like it's just absolutely ridiculous i don't understand why people feel the need to like insert themselves maybe into this every is controversial but yeah maybe agreed. whatever don't give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> how it kind of continues is that like female rage obviously challenges like the status quo and demands recognition and wanting to kind of readdress how like the many ways in which women have been subjugated and disenfranchised and that it is like a potent force for social change, transformation, fueling movements for gender equality, reproductive rights, and bodily autonomy. And we're going to go into, Mm -hmm. like, the actual usefulness of anger later on. Because I did find that interesting, because I don't know my... I think anger is such a powerful force, but I think there's also a point where sometimes I don't know how much use it has to counter violence with violence or anger with anger or, you know... The kind of because there's some interesting feminist manifestos. One specifically that we read. Oh my god, the one you were sending. Yes, me. I was like at work and you were like sending me all these things, and I was like, oh my god. Yeah. How can this exist? It's so fucked up. It's basically just like, you know, a fem. It's but I don't think this is feminist. It's actually like the opposite. It's just inverting it all and being like, men are scum. They're worthless. They just want to. Yeah, which is awful. Like honestly, horrible. it's harrowing to read because you're like, I don't understand how you were sh- you were shocked by it. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand how people can be upset about injustices towards them and then do the exact same to another group. There's kind of this idea, obviously, that like by acknowledging and validating female rage, we can kind of begin to dismantle the structures of oppression that kind of perpetuate Mm -hmm. the gender-based discrimination and strive for a more equitable society for every gender. Mm -hmm. And this is like a a quote, I think, from the... We're going to link like all of our sources, but I I quite liked this quote. Cara, do you want to read it? Yeah, it says... Female rage might be an overused term, but it speaks to something I'm sure many women understand. The desire to be listened to and treated as deserving of attention and even fear. It's not the rage that is shocking, but the brashness of its presentation. It is something true, something honest, and something we all relate to. I would agree. Yeah, I agree. And I like that it says, like, even fear. Like, Mm -hmm. yes. I, like, why are we not allowed for people to fear us? 
And like the fact that that is a shocking thing is... It's also like the, f- the physicality of women, right? Or a lot of like some women. Because I feel like for me, I know I'm not going to inspire much fear just because of like my physicality. I'm not very like physically strong. Or, mm-hmm. you know... You're also very like... Exactly. I'm quite sure like there's not yeah. much fear that I could inspire in anyone. And I know, I think that's also why I like avoid conflict of any kind that could inspire physics because I know I'm gonna lose even with like the weakest man I'm gonna I'm gonna lose (laughs) (laughs) like I know which is upsetting and I obviously could probably train to make myself stronger but that is why though a lot of women go into like bodybuilding and like going to the gym and stuff it's it's a lot a lot of the time it's to feel stronger and feel like they can actually protect themselves if something were to happen or it's also why a lot of people go to like self-defense classes yeah i still get that it's to reinstall like the power that you can if something were to happen you would know how to protect yourself but then that again why do we do that because we're Mm. afraid but would men go to self-defense classes to find ways to protect themselves against women no probably not do they i don't don't think against women no against other men (laughs) <laughs> I think just like martial arts, right, is obviously like very common for men. But again, yeah, I think it's more the it's a different it's a different ambition yeah. or like a different reason to go into that type of sport or bodybuilding. Yeah, but it, that's also not to say again. I yeah. think like in terms of bodybuilding and men suffer under the patriarchy as well because of like these stupid expectations that men should be X Y Z. I think a lot of the time when when people have debates over like the female experience and then the the male experience, men then say like, "Oh, but we have I suffer from X, Y, and Z." And then I've seen like videos where always the response is, "But who's instilled mm-hmm. that fear?" And in, and they were like, "Well, patriarchy." <laughs> and it's like, "Well, <laughs> maybe that's oh the issue God. then." <laughs> I kind of like, want to do a whole episode on like this new teenage trend that I've experienced by my brother. Because for those of you who don't know, my brother is sixteen very interesting age and obviously he's like on all the like social platforms and stuff and he was telling me about all these Mm. interesting things which is like so his for you page is just a bunch of super like i wouldn't even say attractive men but it's just like these a lot of men that fit these certain ideals nowadays so that there's like these trends like mewing which means like you're like grinding your your jaw i've seen those or like i don't know you're doing something with your jaw to like make your jaw certain it's like a jaw yeah. exercise to make your job more prominent. Exactly. There's yeah. like all of these, I think it's like, oh, I've forgotten what it, oh, looks maxing and stuff. Like things that you should do to like, you know, make your face look the best. And like these like cantle tilt things. And I don't know, honestly, his for you page is just a bunch of like edits of these like different men. And like these, it's just like fascinating because it reminds me of like the Tumblr days of, of us looking at these like thigh gap pics and stuff like that. Which is so unhealthy as well. And there's this one guy who's like Harold, like one of the examples of, you know, the looks max or whatever, that there's like kind of a perfect example of like these people that our teenagers are looking up to. And he looks so unhealthy. It's crazy. Like he's gone so gaunt and yeah. If you guys know what I'm talking about, then let us know if you'd be interested in an episode about it. Because I honestly find it fascinating. Also, like, how how maybe the gap between the what teenage girls are confronted with in terms of body image and stuff, how that's actually become smaller with, like, what men also now go... Or, like, what they're subjugated to as well. Social media. The devil. Yeah. <laughs> we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay, 
So we're going to go into female rage in the creative industries now. So music, literature, film, I think this is kind of where a lot of us will be confronted with it or, you know, see a lot of themes of it pop up. Mm. And I do think it's, there's a lot of like movies that are super popular that have this as a a theme. And I think it's quite an interesting one. And, Mm. but you know what this made me realize as well? Like I haven't seen a lot of these either. Like, the, the examples that we have of, like, the literature and the films. I don't think I've, I've seen, seen a couple of them. of them. But also, I don't have a lot of... I don't have great movie knowledge in general, I'm not gonna lie. I haven't yeah, seen same, so many honest. of the classics. Very... Like, it's actually kind of bad. It's actually <laughs> embarrassing. In terms of feminine rage, uh, feminine rage in a, the creative industry, they literally refer to it as, like, a genre, um, which is just, like, a collection of works where female characters that are predominantly written or produced by female authors and artists are engaging in taboo or socially unexpected actions, um, most often violence. And this this is perfectly Bunny, to be fair. Reading this definition. I just finished Bunny by Mona Awad. It's a book. And it's definitely, definitely violent, definitely (laughs) women engaging in taboo or socially unexpected actions. Maybe that's that's Mm -hmm. why it's a reaction. uh, That's why it's a commentary on like, female rage because it's putting women in situations that you don't expect them to be in and acting in like these weird ritualistic sacrifice things it's fascinating so maybe that's literally how it comes yeah um but it's usually depicted in kind of three categories so the first one is rage against the patriarchy or men so this is when it's like the revenge plot um where the protagonist usually undertakes violence and revenge against an individual, which is usually a man. Um, but it's re- it's a revenge plot in the sense that usually that person had already committed a crime towards them. So it's a response. Um, an example of this is like Gone Girl. Um, so they enact revenge plots like that involve psychological and physical violence. I've watched Gone Girl and read it. I don't even think I finished the movie, but the book was really good. Yeah, I haven't seen or read it. I can recommend reading it. <laughs> maybe I'm... I need to definitely maybe open up my eyes to more of these kind of <laughs> creative... I'll tell you which ones I've read and work. which ones are worth it in my opinion. But Gone Girl honestly is really good. Yeah. The book. Yeah. Um, The second kind is a... Gen- it's violence, but more general violence. So it's when they... um perpetrate violence without having to have an ideological backing um such as the first one just like a revenge um an example of this is midsummer so yeah the third category is the self-inflicted violence there's my year of rest and relax have you read that i've heard of it so this is like okay violence could be physical and psychological so again example would be like they say bunny where to be fair they do inflict violence upon themselves but I don't think it's like the main theme of the book my year of rest and relaxation by Mm. Otessa I have no idea how to pronounce her last name Moshfeg um yeah apparently she like isolates and drugs herself into a perpetual sleep I have just heard that it's supposed to be very very depressing because she kind of just like is just depressed and does nothing for the whole book so Mm. (laughs) but again it's an interesting theme but maybe but do we know the reason well not that you have to have a reason to be depressed but is the depression rooted in like a lot of no idea like self-doubt i reckon it, that's probably the element yeah. of it that i have would no be idea related to female rage i find it interesting because then we were looking into like okay what's the origin theory is like why is this a genre nowadays you know there's not a genre that's like mm-hmm. male rage i mean male rage is portrayed in a lot of movies just as a foundation but or male violence <laughs> but still we wanted to look into like okay why is this kind of a a theme that's emerging and a popular genre yeah so what we found is that obviously in a lot of media that we normally consume typically violence against women is portrayed and it's almost so much that we kind of like expect violence to appear and a lot of people are like desensitized so it's a lot of like these crime shows like law and order criminal minds a lot of like sexual assault Mm -hmm. as well and especially kind of period pieces like fantasy shows like game of thrones is like obviously a very prominent example like, the violence against women is almost... When it's criticized, people respond with, oh, it's a, necessi- it's a necessity to be seen as, like, periodically accurate. You know, it's, like, it's it's mm-hmm. needed for the historical 
accuracy. And often in like all of the mm-hmm. types of violence that we're seeing, female characters are stripped of their agency. So we're very used to seeing women being helpless and being hurt uh, versus, you know, seeing people taking control of the violence, which then seeing that and showing that can actually kind of prompt a cathartic experience. So it's this is a this yeah. is a quote from an article. The unfamiliar subversion of the expected role of women as meek, kind, and caring is entrancing. In these texts, women are now agents of the story, in control of what happens. They make the striking move of being objects rather than subjects of violence. And I found that very interesting. And I guess it's all kind of rooted in Mm -hmm. the fact that, like, women's place in society is very much, you know, you're expected to be the peacemaker, to be the caregiver, you know, to be very docile. And that's why, like, the moments of violence are even more shocking because typically femininity isn't associated with anger. So it kind of, it shocks humans. Like, it's... <laughs> and this I found interesting. It Not only does it go kind of inherently against expectations and it can shock us, this article said it can even inspire us. Not to violence, but to expression. Yeah. And that these characters are kind of examples mm-hmm. of the power that women can hold. And it's like symbolic violence. Not actually like wanting women to go out and murder people, but like inspiring yeah. emotional release. They're like symbols of it. Yeah. I think that is so true though. Like we're definitely more exposed to women being subjected mm-hmm. to violence. And if if we act if I can imagine like not not that we should show children <laughs> videos of like women murdering people but but just showing that we can have power and we can like be in control and actually not be con i mean imagine if you're if all we're watching as we're growing up is like media showing women being murdered and like subjected to violence and stuff what's that gonna put in our Mm. minds you know that that's a given and that's almost expected and it is Um, it's taken as like well that's just sadly how the world is so women need to protect themselves yeah which I don't know if it's controversial, but I mean, when you think of like murder and you think of like who's committing the murders, it's it's a stat, right? Like men are more likely to commit murder than women. I'm sure it is. So Let's I Google so this, I definitely just to, so that I'm, we can't be called out. I'm sure it's definitely. T- I know. <laughs> Can you please uh, fact check me? But this is why I get like, even with like Criminal Minds, or I don't know, like all these criminal shows. I understand, I guess, why it's tailored towards more crimes done by men probably because that's the inspiration they're getting from is like real life crimes that are done by men i don't know okay 85 percent of murderers in the united states were male eight percent were female this is a different number from 2022 in 2022 there were 15,094 murder offenders who are male in comparison to 2,107 who were female okay so it's not even crazy for me to say that this no 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 just like Oh, see, this is another one. Serial killer, gender statistics. Almost all notable serial killers are male. About 90% are. Then there's another one, which is like 93% of killers in England and Wales are men. Um, This was in ni- 2021, though. But again, I think, I don't think these... I, I mean, I would assume mm-hmm. it's an assumption that the stat probably hasn't changed that much. Although it also does say that a lot of, like, the majority of murder victim- <laughs> victims, victims are also men. Yeah. Um, oh, the vast majority of murderers in England and Wales are white men. Yeah. How surprising. Yeah. Interesting. Do we need to do, like, a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode? <laughs> we definitely should. Trigger, trigger warning. warning. Murder. Murder. <laughs> Violence. Sexual harassment. <laughs> oh, yeah, we mentioned a lot of I stuff. <laughs> Sexual assault, self-harm. Yeah. This is, we, we, we're going to put a... a trigger warning in the in the yeah, description definitely. notes but i think the point that i was trying to say was like i'm also not surprised that that is what we're seeing because i think a lot of the mm-hmm. series and shows and whatever that we watch it's likely going to be based not on accurate like fully accurate information but it's like what the world knows <laughs> but then mm-hmm. again this is why it makes it so empowering when we finally see the opposite but it's more empowering as an idea yeah. rather than like the action of violence, you know. Yeah. yeah, that is, I agree. And I found it interesting because it was also like the comparison or maybe the equivalent term for men is like the male fragility. Yeah. So seeing 
men you know crying on screen being vulnerable like that is almost satisfying in the same way that women's anger is because it actually shows like the true range of human emotion beyond what society expects of both genders and that I find really interesting because I completely agree like that's what like men aren't allowed to express often enough and that's what like what they grow up with with these expectations that they shouldn't express emotions of of that kind that are like you know could be interpreted as like stereotypically weak or vulnerable and mm. i i kind of enjoyed that juxtaposition um but i also get the same like i know it's not my people that are being satisfied but i when i see like men on screens or like in literature whatever express emotion it like honestly truly makes me happy yeah me too I'm definitely happy that we, that's like, become more and more prominent. And me too. Like we both have so many men in our lives that like we love yeah. so much. And I'm thinking like about like okay if we if we have a son if me and Cara have a son together no if, <laughs> if I have a son like or even my brother you know I want them to be able to grow up to be the healthiest happiest versions of themselves yeah. that don't have to fall into like these traps yeah. of. And I feel very, you know, being... and like, to be honest, I feel very lucky because I think that one of the reasons my relationship with Ed is we work so well is because he's not afraid to show his emotions. And actually, that's what makes me love mm. him so much more. Yeah. Like, he cries at movies more than I do, but I love that about him. Like, he j- when he feels, he feels very intensely. And like, that's honestly yeah. one of the most attractive things that's that beautiful. I find about Ed. Um, and his yeah. relationship with his father, like... His dad, like, when we were at uni, his dad would always write him, like, handwritten letters, and he'd send it to uni, and every time Ed and I would read, well, Ed would read the letters to me, Ed would just get so emotion, emotional, because he loves just his relationship Aww. with his dad. Um, and that, for me, like, again, was one of, like, the, that's, like, a, a checklist, like, yes, you know, is able to show emotion, is not afraid of, of it, and was brought up in an environment where like his dad also allowed him to express that so i feel like ed has that healthy mentality where he doesn't think it's i don't think he thinks it's toxic at all so definitely i think he something he'll take on as well when me and you have kids and he babies that's so good (laughs) what i would say is like i don't want to i wouldn't want to call it like a checklist of sorts because it's just like sometimes you know people can't help the environment no no yeah and like the toxic ideals that they're portrayed to or like relationships to family mm-hmm. members or you know I think it's it's something that like you have to actively unlearn I think as, as yeah, men yeah. as well if as they yeah. grow older I mean I didn't mean like that that's like you disregard men that aren't like that but it was like a bo- like a bonus <laughs> you know I was like yes that's not something I have to worry about so one thing to like not worry about I guess maybe <laughs> position it that way yeah some okay some movies i actually haven't seen i haven't seen any of them so i don't know if we should mention them um (laughs) i have seen well i haven't seen it but i've read the girl with the dragon tattoo and i do think this is so cool like it's a series of um thrillers Mm -hmm. and it's an investigative journalist and the computer like a a female computer hacker uh called lisbeth zalander and she is just like the most one of the most badass character if not the most badass character i've ever seen portrayed in any book or movie i have ever seen she is so like powerful and cunning and intelligent and yeah she's so fucking cool she does have like her own issues and own trauma that she kind of you know fuels into like her vendettas and she like channels her rage into her actions but I think she's a very well written character by I mean by a man, because these these mm. books are uh, written by a male author. But I think, that, honestly, it's super cool female character. Yeah. I mean, there's you can literally just, like, Google movies that depict female range, rage, and you can get a few. But maybe just, like, something... Because I've... Again, I don't think I've involved myself that much with this kind of content. So definitely something I kind of want to do more of. Um, because it's nice to just, like, have that portrayal of where women don't want to be silenced or oppressed and then they take actions to fight back and like reclaim their agency um which is so Mm -hmm. important and even in today's society i think agency is like the biggest one of the most spoken about things with female rage at the minute like wanting to have control over if we want like pro-choice versus pro-life movement yeah 
But again, like, why are why are men making decision of what we can and can't do with our bodies? I think that's ridiculous. <laughs> so many things. Everything's are ridiculous. ridiculous in this world. The thing that makes me the most angry is still like contraception issues and abortion topics. I- agreed. Because it's the most frustrating. Mm. It's just ah. Oh. <laughs> anyways is this is this so i think we kind of version of female rage and creating it in a form of yeah life. this is us exp- expressing <laughs> our rage this is kind of more broadly around like creative industries and we have to we have to give credit here where credit's due a lot of this research specifically that we're going to go into now is actually um from so should we give the origin story (laughs) so our contact at spotify for a long time was this really really cool girl who is called evie (laughs) We're going to, we're going to properly quote her, obviously, in like the description notes, Evie Childs. I don't know if that's how you pronounce her last name, but she wrote her dissertation on Taylor Swift and kind of what she, like the, the reflection of, I guess, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the title was, but like feminism in the music industry and how, and she also goes into female anger and like the injustices that specifically Taylor Swift experienced or kind of what she what she showcases about the larger yeah. landscape and um she had some really interesting kind of quotes around like female hysteria and and stats and research around it too and also female anger so we kind of took a couple of bits out of there and yeah it's really really fascinating because it kind of begins like the the creative movement as such and its oppression towards women begins so much you know so so long ago so what she found was that the romantic movement was almost entirely led by men and creative women were kind of seen as like an anomaly and they were actually introducing complications to the system. So if they were introduced to the system, they had to kind of forfeit their sexuality because being a creator and a truly feminine female were deemed to be in conflict. And the female, so she goes into the female hysteria phenomenon Mm -hmm. And I found this really fascinating because I never I heard of this association. Like, obviously, we've all heard of female yeah. hysteria, but I didn't know, like, its context. And so apparently there was, in the 19th century, there was, like, a hysteria epidemic. And um, it kind of showed that men have always historically been assumed to be mentally healthy and women have been assumed to be naturally mentally ill in this time. So the word hysteria actually originates from the word womb. And it's a word almost exclusively used regarding women, often to obviously disempower them. And being deemed kind of naturally hysterical prevents women from being seen as logical, level-headed, or also, interesting, like, the term genius. So often, like, the the terms kind of evil genius, mad scientists, is kind of seen or used for for men. And their madness doesn't seem to interfere with their their intelligence, their perceived Mm -hmm. intelligence. If anything, it probably... But for example, like, Taylor Swift... then they're viewed as even more intelligent. Yeah. yeah. And I do think that, like, Kanye is such an interesting juxtaposition because it, that's so often used when people talk about him. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, he's, like, crazy, but he's... Crazy is probably a bad word to use here, but... But people say that. Like, but he's a genius. He's a musical genius. I think also yeah. with... What I've, like, seen online, specifically with people trying to justify Kanye West, is they say, like, oh, he's just, like so far ahead than us like he just know like he's into the mm. future like he knows things that we don't even know and he sees the truth and it's like what is happening in this world yeah and how is being like an anti-semite into the future don't <laughs> fucking get it Question i'm pretty sure he's also made some like very very racist remarks even though he's obviously black um which i don't know how into the future that is fucking hell confusion <laughs> so versus obviously like Taylor Swift, for example, is often portrayed as, like, the crazy ex because she talks about, like, her romantic experiences, which, again, like, most music artists mm-hmm. will do or process love to some extent in their in their music. Yeah. And so that's why, like, the rhetoric of, like, the genius male mm-hmm. artist often would praise these, like, feminine qualities in male creators, like the emotion, sensibility, intuition, imagination, even his madnesses. Yeah. But then when applied to women, 
they were then excluded from creative praise because yeah, of and then it's like all oh, they're too emotional, they're hysterical. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're hysterical, etc. But doesn't she tie and into that as well? It, like, didn't she see kind of that response, and then she was like, "Oh, if you think, like, you think I'm a crazy ex, I'll show you what a crazy ex really is." Right? I mean, yeah. She... Taylor Swift has explored a yeah. lot of these themes yeah. in her music. Love her. So she, we have a quote from her here. Love Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, I really resent the idea that if a woman writes about her feelings, she has too many feelings. It trivializes what I do and makes it seem like creating art is something I do as a cheap weapon rather than an artistic process. Agreed. And this is this is also fascinating. <laughs> this is kind of taking it back to like history, history, but it's kind of because of like the, the sexist dynamics in the music industry specifically, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of brought back to the fact that like the male God was credited for the creation of the world. So, oh my God, like creators kind of are this supposed to creators be are supposed to be male. Yeah. That's so interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. And it is fascinating because actually like the words like hysterical crazy are very often used to describe certain women in you know, the popular music discourse like Britney Spears, Lady Gaga, Miley Cyrus, Miley Cyrus, Katy Perry, they've kind of all been, you know, victims of like the female hysteria phenomenon. Obviously Taylor Swift as well. They're all all such iconic people. (laughs) So iconic. Yeah. So there, it's kind of said that like, oh, if women want to achieve authenticity and creative praise they have to avoid any expression of strong emotion, sexual desire, anger, or despair, as this is considered grounds for casual diagnosis of mm-hmm. madness. That's so interesting. But I, I definitely think women in the music industry, and I, I'm not, like, judging or anything, I'm just, like, stating it as a fact. They, I think they definitely play mm-hmm. with, like... Like... I don't know what the word... I'm trying to think of, like, the right word to say. But they definitely are comfortable in like sh- showing themselves as sexual beings and I don't think that that's a bad thing at all um but I yeah but I could that be seen as a form of like f- like anger expression to be like you know what you don't want me to be the sexual being and like be seen mm-hmm. that way and also be a creator but that's who I am so I'm gonna fucking present myself that way yeah I have, like, conflicting opinions. I have, like, conflicting views about this. Or no, maybe... I... This is... Because I feel like on the on the one hand, everyone, like, the, the phrase sex sells is, like, such an old one, but I do think that obviously it elicits certain responses and people know that things will get yeah. attention. And I think that that can sometimes be, like, a method yeah. behind it. And whether that's, like, initiated by the women itself or by the teams yeah. behind them, which are probably also yeah. going to be men who are, like sexualizing their artists for a specific yeah. purpose or I'm sure in some cases it is also like a move of like taking back agency and being like you can't decide how I'm going to portray myself I have the autonomy my own to right to portray myself yeah. I think that's what I was trying to, trying to like question is is that like what are the yeah. intentions of the artists and you're so right like actually ha- sometimes do they even have control over the image that they're being portrayed out because that's definite there's definitely like behind the scenes teams that are controlling like this is how we're going to yeah. position you and, and enter you into the world of, like, the art, like, and into the artist, artist, I don't know the word. Um, yeah, I think that's what we forget with, like, every single industry is that, like, behind each person in the public eye, there's, like, full-on teams mm-hmm. that are planning things so meticulously and whose job yeah. it is to portray things in a certain light, to be the PR people mm-hmm. behind things, which is why you literally can't believe yeah. anything. But also, I don't... This is why I love Billie Eilish as well. Because I feel like she doesn't let anybody control, I think, the way how she wants to present yeah. it. Which for me, I'm like, that's one way of expressing as well your autonomy. is like, you're not going to let anyone dress you or tell you what to wear. And I think she's definitely introduced the idea that, like, you can be a very successful artist without having to mm-hmm. fall into, like, the typical portrayals of what, like, a female pop singer should look and act like, you know? Yeah. 
And then, but then do you remember the images, like the paparazzi images when she was wearing like a tank top and stuff and then immediately was like the biggest deal ever just because she for once like didn't wear baggy but clothes. But she hated that, those photos I think as well. Like in interviews she said that made her so insecure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously no one, I honestly think paparazzi That's a whole other like issue we can get into. Demon culture. But I think that's probably something they took away from her, right? Because she had so much control over how she wanted to be seen and stuff. And then that's yeah. like the one opportunity where she was probably caught off guard and didn't want to be seen. She's probably going to go do her groceries. Yeah. I don't know. But then they took that away from her. She was which probably is really hot. upsetting, though. That they took that away from her, like yeah. her, her right to present herself the way she wants to present herself. Yeah, paparazzi, like, beach photos are also so fucked up like the amount of i think this was like even more prevalent when we yeah. were growing up you know like the beach like i don't know what they used to call this but it was like oh certain people were like hot and then the other one like flopped you know when like you could see like sadly light or yeah. stuff like that or a belly or i mean literally oh my god do you remember like the see. thing that was like who wore it better and they would show oh my god yes. that's horrible why are we That's putting women fucked. against women? I mean, yeah, sometimes, like, women are the worst perpetrators of the completely, like, mean commentary towards other women. Yeah. It's, but that's also co- internalized, isn't it? Yeah. Internalized misogyny, for sure. Or, like, internalized fat phobia, like, all of it. Yeah. I found this interesting, that often, like, hysteria is seen as, like, women being mistreated by men. Or, like, hysteria was... <laughs> a disease, quote-unquote, that seemed to afflict literally any woman who was remotely inconvenient to the men in her life. Women were controlled by pathologizing, pathologizing their normal emotions and desires. And because it's kind of like an angry image is viewed to be heroic and exciting in a man, but women with such an image are pathologized due to the perception that angry women are usually angry because of things that have been <laughs> done to them by men. So it's almost... That their response to the mistreatment and call for respect, that's seen as a proof of their irrational yeah. nature. That is fascinating that, like, this is, like, the whole, like, what we were saying at the beginning. That often it's, like, because of the patriarchy and because of mistreatment for, like, centuries. But then it's that, that some people see that as actually their proof of, like, why they shouldn't be respected. Yeah. Like, that then they're, like, just, like, oh, that's you're just crazy. And that's obviously, like, a patriarchal device. I love the next quote that we have by Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm going to read it. <laughs> so there's a quote here that she said. She was like, a man can react, but a woman can only overreact. Do you agree with that statement? That a man can react and or like th- that's kind of the case? I think a lot of times there's more scruple, uh, more like, like a more intense lens put towards like women's reactions and that's very often like things are seen as like oh they're being like hysteric or overreacting or whatever even though you know if a man did this if a man did the same he wouldn't be viewed with the same scrutiny or maybe he would like be praised for certain actions yeah one of the things that we were talking about before we recorded as well which we think is actually it's like really interesting was the way that she was portrayed for like um when she showed her expression of anger of men controlling her art, she did get, like, sympathy and praise, but then um, the way that the papers published her story, they kind of phrased her as being, like, oversensitive. And there's an article that was released saying, like, the title of the article was Taylor Swift is furious at the sale of her master tapes, and uh, but she's luckier than most, which almost instantly in the title you're reading it, and yeah. it positions her as someone that's, like, like, oh, she should be grateful for what she has. Like, why is she complaining? Why, whatever. But then the same paper published an article um, that was titled, it was about Kanye West and it was titled, Why Kanye West's Fight for His Masters Marks a Changing Industry. Which I feel like the comparison between the two is like in- instantly legitimizes Kanye West's like desire to have control over his art and delegitimizes her- Taylor Swift's need for the same exact thing which is ridiculous wild it's a perfect portrayal of exactly what we're talking about literally okay we wanted to include some like studies as well because obviously a lot of this is kind of i mean it's it's still like you know studies and scholars researching into this 
Um, but there are actually like some studies that mm-hmm. were that kind of were delving into female anger as well. And so this one study, which is a review of studies of gender and anger written in 2000 by Anne M. Kring, psychology professor at the University of California, Berkeley. Um, so this was saying that kind of the notion of female, that like female anger is unnatural or destructive is actually learned young. So children report dis- perceiving displays of anger as more acceptable from boys than from girls. Um, and here in the study, men and women self-report <laughs> anger episodes with comparable degrees of frequency, but women report experiencing more shame and embarrassment in their aftermath. People are more likely to use words like bitchy and hostile to describe female anger, while male anger is more likely to be described as strong. Kring reported that men are more likely to express their anger by physically assaulting objects or verbally attacking other people, while women are more likely to cry when they get angry, as if their bodies... I found this quote... This was from an article that I quoted the study, but I really like this quote. So interesting. As if their bodies are forcibly returning them to the appearance of the emotion, sadness, with which they are most commonly associated fascinating isn't it almost like it it makes it seem as well that our like bodies know that we're yeah. more likely to get a better reaction from men if we show but even also like probably sadness. from other women too and other yeah but if we show emotions and sadness and that's like we're, it's almost like our body's like okay i know you're angry but you're more likely to get sympathy or like get somewhere in the situation if you sh- express this through crying rather than like actually showing anger expression and likewise potentially men have then also internalized that they're going to get further when they don't cry but when they are portraying anger i like this other study as well that um it's a 2016 study and it found that it took longer for people to correctly identify the gender of female faces displaying an angry expression as if the emotion had wandered out of its natural habitat by finding its way to their features (laughs) (laughs) like how the hell did how so fascinating isn't that crazy though? Like it's actually harder to identify anger. Like it's actually there was yeah. a study that showed that it was harder to identify anger in females in the female gender. As in, yeah, that when they were angry, it was harder as to a, identify them as yeah females. Yeah, I think that's is fascinating. And then the last study that we're going to mention um, by the psychologists Ulf Dimberg and Ello Lundquist found that when female faces are recognized as angry. Their expressions are rated as more hostile than comparable expressions in the faces of men. Again, this is a, a quote from the article. As if their violation of social expectations had already made their anger seem more extreme, increasing its volume beyond what could be tolerated. <laughs> An article that I read was kind of also talking about the different archetypes that exist when talking about females and that like kind of the general media or society finds it always easier to like see female sadness and female anger into kind of these opposing archetypes versus like seeing that they can actually they you know acknowledging that they can be together in in kind of every woman and i yeah, might yeah. read yeah read this it. excerpt it's very interesting okay if an angry woman makes people uneasy then her palatable her more palatable counterpart the sad woman summons sympathy more readily she often looks beautiful in her suffering ennobled transfigured elegant Angry women are messier. Their pain threatens to cause more collateral damage. It's as if the prospect of a woman's anger harming other people threatens to rob her of the social capital she has gained by being wronged. We are most comfortable with female anger when it promises to regulate itself, to refrain from recklessness, to stay civilized. It has always been easier to shunt female sadness and female anger into the watertight compartments of opposing archetypes, rather than acknowledging the ways they run together in the cargo hold of every female psyche. And this is then talking about the the kind of I, Tonya. Uh, it's obviously a movie, and but it's based on the real, you know, happenings between Tonya Harding and I think it's Nancy Kerrigan, who were the, the two ice skaters mm. in the US. Um, so the in the movie, Tonya Harding's character explains, America, they want someone to love, but they want someone to hate. I, Tonya's two key characters, Harding and Kerrigan, so it's kind of like, they're kind of categorized into like either the raging bitch and <laughs> oh innocent victim or vice versa. People see Tanya as kind of like the bad girl hero and then Nancy is the whiny crybaby. Like you can't see them, but you know, it's almost like we can't equally see both sides so to both women. So it's like our, our conflicted collective relationship to female anger that's either heroic or uncontrollably disruptive. And also our love-hate relationship with victimhood mm-hmm. itself. We love a victim to hurt for, but grow irritated by one that hurts too much. 
Both stories, however, insisted upon the same segregation. A woman couldn't hurt and be hurt at once. She could be either angry or sad. It was easier to outsource those emotions to the bodies of separate women than it was to acknowledge that they reside together in the body of every woman. You should see my face, like, in this episode. The whole time I'm just, like, shaking my head. I'm like, <laughs> it's just hard to believe this. When you, when you like, put it, put the words on the paper, you're just like, how? Like, it's so obvious. But it's, like, it rings yeah. so true. But also it's, like, so obvious that a, that a person can be angry and sad at the same time and express those emotions. And it's not one or the other. It's not that you're a crybaby versus the bad girl hero or, like, an actual innocent victim versus mm-hmm. like a raging bitch like why can't why is it why is there such a divide in the way that we view this like my mind was my mind hurts thinking about this <laughs> i feel like it's like a, the human condition i think it's like a certain heuristic as well like a kind of a mental um like tool that our brains uses we find it easier to just categorize yeah. things and that's like how we see the world like i think humans in general find it very difficult to acknowledge that like two different things can be happen you know true at the same time about people mm. and this is i think this is like so prevalent in the media like every single person is like it's an opinion shift so radically from one day to the next like one day this is like the best person ever and then the next day everyone hates yeah. him or him you know that this Cancel could also people. be true for like different genders although i do think it probably more radically happens to to women in the media mm. I don't know if we should also mention that we're like not we're talking about genders obviously in like a I very was thinking, binary this whole way episode I've been like women and men because we've just we've made it mm-hmm. seem like male and female we haven't really acknowledged um but yeah. I think it's just because when you look at this research it is more confined in like how just when you think of like the female experiences versus the male experience but it's not to inc- like we are acknowledging I think that there's I think whatever gender you are, you can take what your experience is and apply it to this juxtaposition of, like, maybe how one is viewed versus the other. Yeah, and I think this is something that we are going to go into later in the episode, is how a lot of, like, the feminist movement doesn't isn't always very intersectional and doesn't include, for example, yeah. like, trans women or, you know, mm-hmm. women of colour. And I do think that's, like, a massive problem. Again, we're going to go into it a bit later, mm-hmm. but I... Yeah, I feel like we're talking about gender in a very binary way. And I feel like trans women are probably, again, it's just like different experiences. And they're probably, I mean, I don't know because I'm not trans. And we would need to do like, I think, a whole separate episode into actually researching and and speaking to people who are, who will probably face both sides of this issue. Plus, like, the kind of transphobia. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, there's, if you go into the intersectionality of feminism, I think, there's so many groups that are even way yeah. more marginalized than, you know, for example, us, yeah. like, especially me, because, you know, you're like, I'm, I'm just mm. a white woman. I'm a heterosexual white woman. I'm like the most privileged you can get out of the groups. But you come from Jewish ancestry, which I think can also be marginalized as well. <laughs> yeah, but you know what yeah. I mean? It's just, we do, I do want to yeah, acknowledge yeah, that, that we are we are conscious of yeah the certain narratives or like for example probably even certain people we mentioned still fall into like a Mm -hmm. very privileged Mm -hmm. category of women as a whole that doesn't take away from (laughs) white women still facing oppression but it's just not the it's just one in terms of the gender we're referring to um yeah i feel no but i think that's i mean that's kind of what we're saying because also what we're doing a lot of what we're saying is has come from research and that's actually just a limitate limitation of the research Mm -hmm. that exists probably because these issues have become more prevalent in recent years versus this the research that we're getting is from like historical ancestral views um and that's something that's like a gap you know whenever you read a research paper and at the end it says like future Mm -hmm. research whatever or like future considerations everything we're saying mm-hmm. is relevant to like how the world has viewed this in terms of like it's quite polarized um but something to take in the future is that like these experiences there's a lot more nuances and specific like experiences that need to be considered and mentioned that unfortunately i don't think a lot of research has taken into consideration when thinking of like female rage and like expression and how like different genders are affected by 
the patriarchy, you know? And it's really interesting because we were going to examine (laughs) two other authors within this episode who were Virginia Woolf and Sylvia Plath because they were kind of two very prominent figures that come up Mm -hmm. when you were like researching female rage in literature. And then we we did some further research into it. We found that they were like... I mean, Virginia Woolf was also quite like classist too, apparently. Um, But they were both like have written very, very racist things in both of their works. So we've decided to not Mm -hmm. include them because... You know, I feel like it's not it's not worth s- spotlighting them in this way when we're talking about an episode that's like feminism. That literally like proves that like even the history of feminism in its nature has its flaws, and it's like something that needs to be worked on. Hello. Editing Leo here, jumping in to say that this is going to be the end of part one of this topic because we ended up recording for almost two hours. So we thought we were going to spare you that and we're going to put it in two different episodes. So the next episode is going to be coming next week, which will be part two of this topic. And we kind of go into the history, a bit more of like the kind of feminist waves and talk about um, a, an author in the feminine rage genre in a bit more detail which I am excited for you guys to listen to I also just want to say editing this episode back I can definitely tell that like me and Cara are a little bit like out of our comfort zone discussing this or I don't know I feel like sometimes it's not like the smoothest conversation us kind of summarizing this research and trying to tell these different stories while also giving our own thoughts so I hope you guys kind of have yeah understand and please give us feedback because I definitely think we did enjoy doing like the research into a different topic that we didn't know that much about and we learned a lot and I think we were kind of like learning via going through it as well and just kind of like talking about it so again I think obviously there's also potentially like some some things we said which maybe didn't come across in the best way and everything again we're here to learn for sure so if there's anything that like we could have said better or differently please do also let us know or let us know any feedback for um the the next episode of this as well that I can kind of bear in mind even whilst editing or you know we can kind of do like editing Leo and Cara jump-ins um but anyways I do hope you enjoyed this episode do let us know what you think and your thoughts on the topic of female rage because it's definitely an interesting one and a lot of the things that we talked about made me feel rage when I was listening and when I was editing then I felt all the emotions again but enough of that I hope you're having a good day whenever you're listening to this and yeah I hope you know how much me and Cara really appreciate you thank you so much for listening and yeah see you next week bye